from John chapter 2. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now, standing there were six stone water jars for Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Scripture talks a lot about abundance. We have feasts of abundance, wine in abundance, gifts in abundance. We read about it a lot. We pray and sing about abundance, but we don't always talk about what that really means. Simply, abundance is a very large quantity of something. When we read about it in church from our scripture, it's often a large quantity of a good thing. We read about abundance and delight, about God's generosity, about celebrating God's gifts. But in our lives, maybe we don't always think of abundance as a good thing. Many of us have an abundance of bills, an abundance of health issues, an abundance of difficult relationships, an abundance of things to do and not enough time to do them. More often than not, we tend to live with a mindset of scarcity. Even if we have enough food to eat and wine to drink, even if we have enough to pay our bills and a bit extra, even when there might be an abundance of good things in our lives, we sometimes struggle to recognize abundance. Part of that is that we sometimes struggle to trust that we're not in this alone. We tend to be a pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstraps kind of country and culture, and so often we feel any abundance there is to be had, we really have to fight for, have to earn, and it's up to us alone to do that. And so often we find ourselves comparing ourselves and potential abundance with others. In keeping up with the Joneses, we can lose sight of God and abundance. I think that there are three things that conceal, that hide abundance from us. The first is isolation in relationships and in community. The second is scarcity, real and imagined. And the third is comparison, what Teddy Roosevelt said is the thief of joy. In our reading from Isaiah, the Hebrew people have returned from exile, dealing with political and economic issues, many of them still spread out far and away from each other. They find themselves isolated and missing those who have not returned. So Isaiah gives them words of comfort and hope of a future abundance. 
He says that God will not keep silent, will not rest for their sake, that they will be a crown of beauty that the Lord will delight in. Isaiah promises the light and relationship between God and God's people as an antidote for their isolation, as a revelation to their coming abundance. As well as isolation from relationships and communities, scarcity can hide away generosity and abundance. When we are experiencing real scarcity in our lives because of finances, health issues, or other difficulties, the idea of abundance can seem totally foreign. We fear for the next bill that comes or the next phone call, we find ourselves in places of anxiety and stress, and the joy of abundance can seem far out of reach. Sometimes, even when we have what we need, we create imagined scarcity. Part of this is our culture constantly telling us that we can always have more, and so therefore making abundance something unattainable. And it's also kind of human nature to live into fear of scarcity. Things might be fine right now, but what about when fine runs out? We tend to hide away our resources, preparing for the next time of scarcity in our lives, more so than just good stewardship would entail. I wonder if the host, the bridegroom of the wedding in Cana, was feeling stressed or worried about the event. It seems everyone was invited, including Jesus' family and disciples, I wonder if he was dealing with real scarcity in his life and was hoping the wine he had in the cellar would be enough. It doesn't seem like a huge fear or a huge stress, but having been part of three weddings this last summer, something like running out of drinks at the reception would have had any of those brides freaking out and trying to send a padre of people to the 7-Eleven for emergency supplies. In ancient Israel, with hospitality rules and expectations weighing on the host and no 7-Eleven down the street, it would have been the biggest faux pas of the year. It would have been more than just embarrassing to have run out so early in the day. And so when Mary notices the scarcity in the wine cellar, she tells Jesus. Jesus isn't the host, he's just a guest. And even though he responds by saying that it's not his problem, Jesus isn't one to leave scarcity to reign over a party. Mary knows this. Even though Jesus is coarse with her, she has an inkling of what Jesus can do in the face of scarcity, and so she tells the servants to listen to him. And it's not just that Jesus turns water into wine, which he can come to any of my parties, that'd be very helpful, <laughs> but that Jesus turns about 130 gallons of water into wine. That's more than enough for this party and the next one, and maybe even a party or two after that. In the face of scarcity, Jesus responds with abundance. And that abundance is not just a lot of wine, it's a lot of really good wine, which was totally unexpected. The steward who tastes the wine is amazed, even with hospitality rules and expectations, it's pretty normal for a host to serve the good wine first, and then the cheap wine once the people have had a few. They don't know the difference anyway. Why not? The wine that Jesus creates out of water is really good quality, and you'll have to forgive the pun, but it's just too good. It's divine. Think about it. Only Jesus and the servants know what really happened, and the host may have wondered who brought this great wine. But the steward is naming something about the real scarcity in their lives and in their community that you gave a bit of the good stuff when you had to, but normally you'd squirrel as much of the good wine away as you could for the start of your next event, not generously share gallons and 
and gallons of it after most people wouldn't know the difference. But Jesus takes scarcity, takes that mindset, and he flips it. Like the grace he brings, he shares generously, and those gathered delight in what they have received, even if they don't know it's from him. The third thing that conceals abundance from us is comparison. The people of the church in Corinth from our reading today have been given an abundance of gifts by the Holy Spirit, a huge variety of spiritual abilities. And, as is not surprising, instead of sharing those gifts with their church and their community, they started comparing themselves with each other. Paul writes to them, I imagine feeling a bit exhausted because these gifts should be celebrated and are worth sharing, and instead people are saying things like, well, the Holy Spirit gave me the utterance of wisdom, which is obviously just a lot more work than interpreting tongues. And, you know, working miracles is just more spiritual than discernment. Can you imagine the church in Corinth and the way in which they're tearing each other apart by thinking themselves better than, or working harder than, or comparing themselves and their gifts with others? They're putting themselves into cliques and judging each other, finding ways to compare gifts given by God, rather than finding ways those gifts can work together. It's probably not also surprising that these three things that conceal abundance, isolation, scarcity, and comparison are all connected. Isolation from community and from relationships often leads to a sense of scarcity, a need to hide away resources and care only for oneself, and comparison does that too, making others to feel isolated or others somehow, which again can lead to that sense of scarcity. It's sort of a trifecta of brokenness. And so Paul reminds the church in Corinth, reminds us that all of the gifts we receive, all of the services we do, all of the activities they participate in and we participate in, it all comes from the same God. The same God, the same Spirit who gives these gifts for the common good. And that common good isn't for isolation or scarcity or comparison, but for sharing the great abundance that God brings. For sharing the abundant grace, the abundant gifts, the abundant love with each other and with their community. Sometimes it seems easier said than done. It seems easy to say, let's live into God's abundance, than to actually do that. We might find ourselves feeling alone or on our own in ministry and relationships in our lives. We can find ourselves feeling hopeless that abundance, joy, and delight are actually coming. We can say that we trust God to provide, but sometimes the real scarcity in our lives or the fear of coming scarcity feels so real that trust or generosity can become difficult to manage. And we can try not to compare, but sometimes we do. Sometimes it's like we just can't help it. And sometimes those comparisons make us feel insecure or like somehow who we are and what we're doing isn't good enough. But for all the isolation we experience or create, for all the scarcity we feel or worry for, for all the comparisons we fail to live up to, Jesus sees all the ways abundance can hide from us and Jesus brings us divine grace in abundance. Jesus goes to the cross to bring us gallons and gallons of God's grace. Jesus dies to bring us into relationship with God and with each other. Because God delights in you, in me, in each and every one of us, Jesus rises from the dead, conquers sin and death, and all our failures to bring us God's love in abundance. 
Amen. Because God created us, you and me as individuals, with a variety of gifts, and God continues to give us these gifts in the same generosity, giving spiritual gifts, grace and love, and all that we need, so that today as we welcome new members to our church, as we celebrate this year at our annual meeting, and all the variety of ministries that we share, we can remember that God gives us these incredible, unexpected gifts for the common good, so that we can go out into our community sharing the abundance of God's gifts with those in need, so that we can share the abundance of God's grace and love with those we meet, so that we can talk about abundance with delight, sharing God's generosity, celebrating and giving thanks for the grace each and every one of us has received in our Lord Jesus. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.